It is good to see everyone this morning. Appreciate everyone being here on this Lord's Day. I don't typically apologize for my health or lack thereof, but uh, I do have a terrible cold. I sound a little bit worse than I feel, so take that for what it's worth. But uh, it is indeed a pleasure to be able to stand before you, and I believe uh, I have enough energy to bring a message from God's Word and hope that you will be encouraged by it. This past weekend, um, I attended a men's Bible study in Chance, Alabama. And if you don't know where Chance, Alabama is, you're among the majority. It's a little bump in the road out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but we had a men's study out there, and, and this happens every year. Men come together. Most of us are preachers. Some are just faithful brethren. We come together and have an intense study of God's Word. And this year, the topic was evangelism, which is a very interesting topic and led to a very interesting discussion. Several of the men brought messages, brought studies to us about evangelism, um, evangelism in the home, evangelism in the community, in the congregation, and even overseas. And so we talked about the going forth of the gospel. The big takeaway from this discussion was this, that the kingdom of God is expanded one soul at a time. Now, this is not a new revelation, and it was not indeed our intent to, to gather together and come up with a new doctrine. That's a very dangerous thing to, to be engaged in. That was not our intent. Rather, we wanted to better understand what the Bible teaches us about evangelism. We see the conversion of a great number of people at one time in various places in the book of Acts. There in Acts chapter 2 on the, on the, the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 souls were saved on that day, the preaching of Peter, the first sermon given there on the day of Pentecost. And there's other places in Acts where a multitude of people were saved on the same occasion at the same preaching, if you will. But more often, we see just a few or even one person being converted as a result of being told the gospel. Now, I believe that all of the above is possible today. I believe that preaching, there could be many, many souls saved. In fact, we have recent history to tell us that with revivals and tent meetings, those kind of things where multitudes of people were saved. Because, and here's the reason I believe that, because the same is true today as it was then, that the gospel is the power of God into salvation to those who believe. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. And that hasn't changed, brethren. The gospel is the power of God to salvation to those who believe it. So all of these examples are true. Many can be saved, a few can be saved, one can be saved. Anything can happen under the power of the gospel. But the realities of our culture make it harder and harder to reach people, to reach people as a captive audience, if you will. Now, social media has made it possible for us to communicate with our friends on a mass scale. 
Yet at the same time, it's fragmented our social interactions. And it isolates us more and more behind our computer screens, behind our phones, shutting us off from our neighbors, just like fences and electric garage doors have been doing for years now. So how do we cope with these realities as we attempt to do our duty in spreading the gospel? It's harder and harder to reach large-scale audience, even though it seems that we're being pulled closer and closer together. But for the points I just made, it's really not there. It's really ambiguous, the worlds that we live in now, these virtual worlds that we live in. There's no real face-to-face time in all that, is there? So how do we cope with these realities? Now, the Internet and the social media, they're powerful tools. We was mentioned in the Bible class this morning about being able to go, or go to a website and, and hear sermons and to have materials and articles and those kind of things, and that's wonderful. It's good for us to be able to have that resource at our fingertips. And gospel meetings, while they're not as effective as they once were in converting people, they're still important. We just had one, what, about a month ago? We need to understand and, and really reevaluate the purpose of a gospel meeting as it exists in our modern culture. And congregational efforts, they're appropriate and should be pursued, absolutely. But we come back to this, and this is really inescapable, that it's one soul at a time. It's going to take individuals sitting in front of other individuals and studying the Word of God. That's what it takes to convert souls. So as we talk about this individual, let's, let's talk about the individual. And as many things um, we talk about have their beginnings, we begin with attitude. When Isaiah, in chapter 6 and verse 8 of his prophecy, he says that, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Remember what Isaiah said? Here I am, send me. That's the kind of attitude that we need to foster. That's the kind of attitude that's going to help us in spreading the gospel to a lost and dying world. Lord, here I am, send me. We need to be willing to go where God may send us. And to do his will. Look over in Acts chapter 5 with me. Acts chapter 5. Here in chapter 5, the, the, towards the end, the apostles have been put in prison. The council um, consults with Gamaliel about what they should do about it. And remember what Gamaliel says is that if this is from God, it's not going to be stopped. That's the reality of, of their times. But he said that, so we get to verse 40 of chapter 5 in Acts. It says, And they took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them to speak no more in the name of Jesus, and then they released them. Notice verse 41. 
So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. They went on their way rejoicing that they had just been beaten. What kind of attitude is that? That's an attitude that they realized how important it was and how wonderful it was that they were able to serve the living God. So they went on their way rejoicing. Notice verse 42. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So here's a big setback, right? The apostles, they're, they're, they're put in prison. They're told not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. They're beaten. And then they're released. And what do they do? They crawl back home and the word of God suffers. Not at all. They rejoice. They rejoice that they have the opportunity to suffer in the name of the Lord. And they did the opposite of what the the officials told them to do. They went on teaching and preaching in the synagogue, from house to house. They went on teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. Over in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 15, Paul says that, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Paul had this attitude, this attitude of service. I'll gladly spend, I'll gladly do whatever I need to do. I'll spend my energies, my times, my efforts for your sake, and I will be spent. Put on me what you will. I'll do that for your soul. That's that same kind of attitude, isn't it? That attitude of suffering, that attitude of being willing to do what it takes to continue in God's service. We've spoken here recently a lot about discipleship. We had a whole meeting on it, about what it means to be a follower of Christ. A disciple is indeed just that, a follower of Christ. He's a pupil. She's a learner, a follower, one who goes after Christ. Always learning, always seeking to serve him. The disciples have been commissioned to continue in the teachings of our Lord. In Matthew 28, there, as he records the Great Commission, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. So here's the going forth of the gospel. Our Lord commissioning his apostles, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples of all the people. Then do what? Baptize them. And then teach them all that I have commanded you. And what's he commanding them to do? He's commanding them to go into all the world. So it goes on. Making of other disciples goes on and on and on. Because one thing our Lord taught the disciples was to make other disciples. Paul continues this commission in his teaching to Timothy. There in 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 2, the things which you have learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So here again, here's the cycle. 
Paul's telling the young evangelist Timothy, I'm teaching you these things. You teach these to faithful men so that then they can go out and teach others. The cycle continues. As disciples, we are constantly being taught by the word. We are teaching others what we have learned. It's a process. And it's an ongoing process. But this ensures that the gospel message continues to ring out. It continues to go out. And it continues to expand the borders of the kingdom. And these are the things we do as individuals. These are our individual responsibilities. We must have that attitude. That I have the responsibility to serve my Lord. Me. I. I have that responsibility. And I don't need to rely on anybody else to do it for me. Should we have a door knocking campaign? Sure, go do it. Should, we have, uh, should I have a Bible study in my home? Yes. Do it. Should I be handing out, or should the church be handing out tracts or Bible, free Bibles at a, at a fair with a booth? Absolutely, go do it. They don't need to be sanctioned by the church. These are things that we can do as individuals. All of these things. Now, don't get me wrong. The church plays an important role in evangelism. In fact, it's one of the threefold responsibilities of the church, evangelism, edification, and benevolence for the saints. The church has a responsibility for evangelism. The corporate work of the church, that is us working together, is a way in which the gospel is spread. Look over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians 1. Beginning of verse 6. It says, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. Now this is Paul speaking. If we go back up just a second there. Verse 1, Paul and Silvanius and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. He's speaking to the church of the Thessalonians. He's speaking to this body. So back to verse 6. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in as much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also to every place your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. Here's the church engaged in evangelism. Here's the body of the Thessalonians spreading the good news about our Lord and Savior. So it is indeed the work of the church to evangelize. It is the work of the church to sound forth the gospel. We, also, we often say to sound forth from this place. And it's true we come together in this building, but understand, this building is not the church. People sitting here amongst us, this is the church, not the building. 
But this is where the gospel sounds forth. The church serves as a touchstone. Look over in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Paul talks about this. A touchstone. A cornerstone. A foundation. Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy 4, beginning of verse 14. I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you may know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. That's what the church is. The pillar and support of the truth. We come together to strengthen ourselves in the truth. We come together through Bible study, hearing these sermons, singing, praying, all these things we come to do, yes, to worship God, but they're done for edification, which means what? Which means they're building us up. All these things help to deepen our understanding of the word. The church supports the truth. Therefore, we need to come together to renew our understanding of God's word. This is where it is supported through our studies and our efforts. And this ensures that we are indeed building ourselves up. Look over in Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> I mentioned there we come together to, to do these things, yes, to worship God, but to build ourselves up. Paul says it so beautifully here in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. He says, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking of the truth and love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him which is the head, even Christ." for whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The individual effort is celebrated in this passage, isn't it? The individual is celebrated in this passage. Each one doing their part is what matures the body. It's what grows the church. You ever heard this? The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You've probably heard that somewhere along the way, haven't you? If you add up all the individuals, that total, what you get, is lower than the number, than the, the value of what we can do as a group. Each one doing their part builds the body. When each one is doing their individual best, the church as a body benefits. And then it can function at its highest level and serve as that pillar and support of the truth. The people who come here to worship on Sunday, they'll see it. 
they'll recognize that this is a group that's doing their best. Each individual part functioning at its highest level in a church that's growing. As evangelism, service to God in general, begins with the individual, and that in turn strengthens the church, strengthens the body, look where it brings us back to. It brings us back to the individual. Consider the examples from, from Acts, just a few of examples. Remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. There's a one-on-one right there, isn't there? Cornelius and Peter. Now, Cornelius and his household were baptized there by Peter. But we have individuals. Paul and the Philippian jailer. Remember Priscilla and Aquila with Apollos? A couple pulling aside a man? It took individuals teaching other individuals about our Lord. Now, with Priscilla and Aquila, it wasn't a matter of converting Apollos, but of correcting the teachings that he was giving. And a good lesson we see there in that, a good lesson is always being ready to yield to the truth, not stuck in error just because this is the way we've always done it, or this is the way I've always understood it, being willing to yield to the truth. We see that great example in Apollos. Our individual effort will make all the difference. We can have organized evangelism efforts through this church, and as we've mentioned, that's quite appropriate, and that's fine. But what is the church? We made this point a minute ago. What is the church? This is a a wonderful building. It's been kept up over the years. There's a lot of pride that goes in the upkeep of this church building, and that's fine. Because if you've traveled around and seen other church buildings, you know that's not always the case. It doesn't matter. There's nothing wrong with taking pride in, in a building where we come to worship our God. But this isn't the church. We could be meeting out there in the parking lot. Here talks of those who go overseas, especially in Africa, where they meet under the shade of a tree. People carrying benches on their shoulders several miles to put that bench down and and sit and listen to someone who has the gospel. That puts things in perspective, doesn't it? What is the church? The church is you and me. The church is the individuals. We're made up individuals. If I'm not making the effort I need to be making to reach my neighbors, the church will not be as strong as it could be. Is the church going to function? We meet here every Sunday, and we have good, sound, fervent worship services to our God. And I firmly believe that. In reverence, in spirit, and in truth. But unless we're all making the best effort that we can, the church is not as strong as it could be. Because it's made up of individuals. It's made up of you and me. The body is only going to grow 
by individual effort. In Mark 8 and verse 36, it says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? There's a lot in this world to distract us from our service to God, isn't there? Our jobs, entertainment, social media, our hobbies, our family. There's lots of things in the world that can distract us from our service to God. Remember what Jesus said about that? In Matthew 7, and verse 33, he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus puts things in proper perspective for us, doesn't he? He puts things in the proper order. What are we to seek first? God and his righteousness. And then the things of this world will be added to us. What we Put on, the clothes we put on our back, the roof over our head, the food in our bellies. Those things come after our service to God. Seek the things of God first. He's going to provide for you the things that you need. Maybe not necessarily want, but need. We can get lost in earthly pursuits. And we can forget that God wants us to be doing his work. And that includes telling others about Jesus Christ. About the terrible, painful, shameful death that he underwent. And why did all that happen? Because he, God the Father, God the Son, loved us so very much that Jesus was willing to die for us, to give us a pathway to salvation, to give us a hope of eternal life when this life is over. We need to tell people that. We need to tell our neighbors, our family, the person at the checkout line at the grocery store. What better news is there We need to be expanding his kingdom one soul at a time. If you're not a child of God, you have opportunity to become one. We mentioned the plan of, of salvation, the pathway of salvation. He's given that for us. It starts with hearing the, gospel, hearing the gospel message, believing what you hear, establishing that faith, Repenting, understanding that you know that, that your life is, is wrong, that you're living in the world. And you need to make that change. And confess that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. That he is the, son, the Savior of the world. And only through him do we have salvation. And then we're ready to be baptized. We go down into these waters. Not just these waters, but any waters. Washing away sin, coming up out of the baptismal waters, a new creature, ready to walk in newness of life. What a blessing. What a blessing that we can put all the world behind us and start again. If you're not a child of God, you have opportunity. If as a child of God you're not 
serving him as you should. You're not putting him first in the way in which you serve him, the way in which you live your life. Jesus says, seek him first. If you haven't been doing that and need the prayers of the congregation, we can help you with that as well. If you have prayers, if you have unconfessed sin, I urge you to make that right with God. You don't need to come forward to do that, but make it right with God. If you have needs of this congregation, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.